0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the Digest and Invest podcast brought to you by eToro. I am Sam North, the trading school lead here in the UK. Uh, it's a special episode. I'm joined by two very special guests, as usual. Josh Gilbert, a market analyst based out in Sydney, Australia, uh, and we're very lucky to say we're joined by Ben Laidler, our global market strategist. Guys, how are we? Yeah, great. Uh, Fluttering is going to get you nowhere, Sam.
1: <laughs> yeah i'm good as well sam i'm used to that now ben so I just <laughs> welcome it every week
0: so still part of the job for josh um but look it's it's great to have you both on i thought considering we've just had our our retail investor beat survey i think it'd be great to to do the podcast solely on that so we can yeah. focus uh on the the different findings that we we've had but um uh for, for those that are watching on youtube remember to like share subscribe and for those that are watching or listening i should say on spotify but there's actually new a new rating uh that you can give us so if you look at uh, your spotify app right now and just underneath digest and invest you'll be able to give us uh, a star rating hopefully a five star rating
1: yeah five uh, stars please five stars, <laughs> yeah yes,
0: so but... please do do that as it will help um but before we we, we get into the the meat of the the retail investor beach survey Ben, uh, what what exactly is it uh, yeah, great question. Um, so, you know, hot off the press, I minutes mean, out
2: today. Uh, this is our quarterly survey of global retail investors. So, basically, self-directed investors that are investing their their own money. Um, we asked eight and a half thousand of them uh, in twelve countries around the world. So, US, UK, all the way around to do it to Australia. Uh, so, it's pretty unique, right? I don't know of a similar survey out there, and. You know the, the genesis for doing it is retail investors are just you know, as we know more and more important driving markets more and more and um i would also just say pretty misunderstood mm. and and what this survey tries to do is um um you know give us a sense of what these increasingly important investors are thinking what they're doing and um you know how they're doing it
0: awesome so so what we're saying is or, or what the survey is saying is that retail investors are more important than ever. Why? Why? Why exactly do you do you think this is? And I guess in in regards to the recent growth that we've seen for for retail investors, what what exactly are we are we putting this down to?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. So so you know, let let me throw some stats at you. So in the US, right, which is the world's largest uh, investor market, uh, the amount of money that's been the retail investors and households are allocating to equities has never been higher, uh, and it's about twice long term average levels. Um, and our survey you know, also shows that around a quarter of retail investors are new to investing since, uh, since the pandemic. So that gives you a sense of sort of you know, another sense of the growth, um, you know, closer to home. Uh, if you look at, um, you know, ours truly at eToro, um, you know, we've doubled users in the last two years, right? Um, you know, of course we're wonderful, but, you know, I think that also just speaks to sort of, the, you know, the, the sort of broader growth that you're seeing. So, you know, frankly, you know, I could go drone on and on, but, you know, every stat you look at tells you the same sort of story. Um, You know, your second question, you know, what's driving this? um, Mm. I think it's very structural, right? I mean, it's not all that we, you know, all got bored during lockdown or that, um, you know, we some of us got stimulus checks and were sort of burning holes in our pockets. (laughs) Um, You know, lucky those that did. But um, I, I think the bigger story is one that, you know, free share trading only started at the end of 2019. Right? Before then, you were basically paying your broker loads of money for every transaction. Uh, you couldn't um, own fractional shares, right? You need to find a couple of thousand dollars to buy Amazon if you wanted to buy, you know, Amazon. Now you can buy a fraction of Amazon and sort of run a diversified portfolio. Um, you know, we've seen more online platforms, investing platforms like eToro, we've seen, you know, more online communities like like Wall Street bets. Uh, and obviously, we've had a big tailwind here, right, which is that your opportunity costs, your you know, the attractiveness of bonds and cash and all those alternative assets, is um, has fallen a lot given that interest rates, you know, are so low. And I think that's really forced, um, you know, a lot of people to take control of their finances really for the first time, rather than just park the money in the bank and um, you know c- collect the interest. That's that's not a viable strategy anymore.
1: Yeah, um, and just for why we're sort of talking about this as well, the, the slides will be available um, for any of our podcast listeners. What we'll do is we'll pop a link in the bio um, of, of this podcast episode so you can go and have a look at all the all the details, all the stats that we're sort of talking about. Um, I just want to ask a quick question to, to Ben actually on, on that sort of stat that we just had and the talking about the, um, the number of users that we've got into the market, and number of new users. Um what i basically saw a stat the other day to say obviously like you mentioned there ben that we've got the biggest number of retail investors coming into the market a lot of people then put that back to okay you know we should be worried right that there's a lot of retail um investment into the market do you see that as a worry um or do you just think it is because we have opened it up um with obviously like free investing and it makes it so much easier for people to access the market um, or do we, do, you know, as a retail investor, do we sell it as, as a worry that everyone's piling into to share markets?
2: Yeah, you know, every time you sort of, every time there's a sort of new kid on the block, right? And right now it's retail investors, everyone sort of worries that, you know, um, they're going to sort of disappear as quickly as they arrived. And it's going to, you know, draw volatility and you're going to get, and, you know, the moment markets sell off, all these investors are going to disappear. Um, I would say so far, you haven't seen that. Right now, hey, we haven't had a ton of volatility, but, you know, we did have a decent pullback back in February retail investors, uh, you know, bought the dip and, uh, you know, buying the dip has been a big um, sort of characteristic of this rally and retail investors have sort of been at the, uh, been at the forefront of that. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it, but when we, you know, when we go through the survey, this sort of, um, this sort of market narrative, I think of retail investors, you know, being in and out of the market and everything else just doesn't ring true, right? I mean, they're diversified, they're in for the long haul, they're doing their research. Um, so to, um, I guess to, to sort of misquote, a, 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 you know, from another asset class. I mean, it, 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 when you read through the details, it really seems that retail investors have sort of diamond hands for the equity market. Um, again, time will tell, right? We're having a bit of a shake up now, but um, so far, I think the narrative has been proved completely wrong.
1: Um. So that leads us on to to probably a a, a nice question to start. And I think uh, we can find some more information about this for our listeners on, on page five. Uh, it should be on page five, um, but have I you found anything? I haven't, in... I haven't moved it <laughs>
2: no, okay, it's still
1: there, it's still there. So if you're listening, it's still on page five, um, but ha- have we found anything interesting in, re- in regards to sort of what they're investing in? What are these retail investors buying? You know, we love to use the word diversification on the podcast, you know, as it's something that obviously we really believe in. It's a big part of investing, but are the retail investors diversified enough in your opinion and are there any interesting patterns that you've noticed?
2: Right. So, so luckily, I think people are obviously listening to you, right? Because I think one of the big takeaways here is that is that retail investors are pretty diversified, right, across across asset classes. I mean, if you look, uh, you know, for, for those that you know access the presentation, that sort of top right chart on page five, you know, equities is by far the best owned asset class. And that's probably not a surprise. But what what I think strikes you is just how well owned all the other asset classes are. So bonds, crypto, cash, you know, alternatives, you know, like real estate, commodities. Um, you know that they're, 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 they're all pretty well owned um and um you know so it's a good mix i mean i guess the only caveat i would make the to sort of you know within that sort of diversification is you know there's a bottom left chart on on, on that far, on page five um you know it's a big world out there and many people probably own too much of their domestic equity market so if you live in the uk you probably own too many uk equities uh for example um but you know, yes, own what you know best, right? If you live in the UK, you probably know UK equities better than you know you know, equities in other countries. Mm. Um, But, you know, also recognize that, you know, the UK, I'm not picking on the UK, but, uh, you know, it's a fairly small equity market in sort of global terms, right? It's like less than 5% of global equities. Uh, So if you have most of your allocation to the UK, you know, you're actually not very diversified. So you may be diversified by asset class, but you're probably less diversified uh, by country so I think that's sort of one thing to look at and, and especially right especially now right international assets you know I would argue have never been more accessible uh, or cheaper to own right through you know products like you know like ETFs um, but but to come back to your point I mean the, the the basic takeaway is that investors are actually
0: surprisingly well diversified yeah it seems like we should give them a little bit of a round of applause there because they've done done quite well room for improvement though. that's what my teachers always used to say for me <laughs> Um, from, uh, sort of following on from that, which were there any sort of sectors in particular that were, were sort of, sort of like most popular and, uh, and on the flip side, have we, have we found, you know, on the flip side sectors that are maybe the least popular, uh, I believe we, we sort of compared this, uh, investor sector preferences versus global index averages, right?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, tech is unsurprisingly the most that- popular sector, uh, you know, it's the biggest sector in the market. It's done the best, sort of long-term. And, and, you know, in many ways uh, represents the future, right, of, of a lot of them are sort of most exciting investment themes. So, you know, there's a chart on the top right of page six where we just compare what investors own relative to, you know, global equity indices just to show, you know, what people might be particularly positive on or particularly negative. It just shows that retail investors, uh, you know, the best owned sectors are, are tech and, and and healthcare. But I think the two relative surprises is what will come next, which is energy and real estate you know, pretty popular sectors, you know, third and fourth most popular by retail investors. And yeah, in sort of broader equity indices, those are pretty small sectors. Um, so I think, that, I think that's really interesting. It just tells you how bullish, you know, people are in those sectors. Um, obviously, you know, both of them performed really well last year. Uh, at the other extreme, if you look at the far, far left, you know, consumer discretionary, um, which is the sector where things like Amazon and Tesla live, um, is basically one of the least owned sectors so i'm not sure i entirely believe that but um you know the data is what the data says uh, and that was uh, i guess another you know another surprise
1: yeah that is surprising that sort of consumer discretionary section especially i think when we sort of came out of you know or coming out of 2021 where we're we starting to believe that sort of reopening is coming through retail and sort of that side of the market that is that is quite interesting but we'll move away from equities um another favorite on the podcast moving on to crypto um have we found anything new in this survey um any key takeaways that you know we should we should be looking at
2: yeah so so this is the bit that sort of really blew me away right i guess for two reasons so one um 26 of global retail investors own crypto um so just think about that for a sec this makes crypto the third best owned asset class behind equities and very close to bonds, right? And, um, you know, way, way ahead of currencies, way ahead of commodities, you know, and these are much older, much larger sort of asset classes. So I think that just sort of speaks to just, you know, crypto's taking the world by storm, right? And, and how quickly sort of adoption adoption is built. Um, you know, the other big surprise to me, um, and, you know, for those that are following in, in, in the presentation, you can see this on the sort of bottom right chart, page seven, is for those people that own crypto which is obviously a lot of people uh, they own a lot of it um so when we ask them hey, how much crypto do you have in your portfolio uh they're on average they're about 26 percent of their portfolio in crypto i mean that's a lot um you know maybe too much um you know if you want to be really diversified but you know that's a lot and again i think it just speaks to um just just the speed of the speed of adoption, and the twenty six percent is an average, right? There are some markets in the world which I won't publicly name on this podcast where it, you know those numbers are nearer,
0: you know, nearly fifty percent. <laughs> wow, I mean, you're you're saying twenty six percent could be too much. Josh is like, nah, that is not enough.
1: <laughs> well, the the, the, th- the point I was just about to make there, and it's it it could be an interesting one, is that uh, you know a lot of the time I think I wonder if we can put that down to actually profits. Um, Right. Because if you know, from from my perspective, you know, I I was when I first started investing into crypto, it was very small. Right. But now some of those smaller investments, you know, could make up a huge part of the portfolio just because of obviously how much crypto has grown. So I wonder if that is the case for a lot of people, especially early investors. Right. If we go back to 2017 or 18 or even 19, um, if you're buying Bitcoin, at, you know, if you bought one Bitcoin at three thousand dollars, it's now going to be a massive part of your portfolio. Um, so I, I would say that that would be a big part of it as well. And people are maybe holding on, but also maybe that is, you know, something we could say is, you know, maybe take some profits and diversify it somewhere else. So
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, I would also,
2: I would also just say these are average numbers, right?
1: Yeah. So if your
2: average investor has been in that lucky position of putting 2% in crypto and now it's like
0: 26% of their portfolio. I mean, you know, big round of applause yeah absolutely i'm jealous <laughs> i'm super jealous um when it when it comes to sort of thematic investing all, all three of us whether we buy podcasts or webinars we've all been real vocal on on its place in investing and how it's becoming more and more popular so i'm hoping without moving on to the next slide yet yeah, listeners that uh we're, you're about to say ben it's uh the outlook's looking okay
2: i'm yeah, I mean, I guess this was after crypto. This was the other side that sort of blew me away a little bit, right? And, and bear with me on this. So, you know, if, if I add up all the world's sort of thematic investment funds, so all the thematic investment funds that are out there, and I compare them to, you know, all those sort of boring mainstream funds that we invest in, right? Those sort of plain vanilla sector and country funds and, 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 and everything else. Then thematic is less than 5% of total global, um, you know, equity funds. Wow. Uh, So hold that number 5%. If you look at that, if you're on the following the presentation, if you look at that bottom left chart, um, uh, it basically tells you that nearly 80% of investors are looking at thematic investing. So They're not invested in thematic, but they're certainly looking at it. Um, And that for me is fascinating, right? That's your direction of travel. That's why thematic investing has been growing so much. That's why thematic investing, frankly, is just going to keep growing. And and we've barely scratched the surface, you know, at, at, at this point um so so that was sort of the massive takeaway i guess the other one i'm sort of less surprised about when we ask people you know what are your favorite thematic investment themes you know clean tech uh came out one that probably doesn't surprise me right given that we're in the middle of this sort of multi-decade carbon transition it's accelerating and, and there are obviously huge investment flows sort of attached to that and i guess tech sort of digital transformation sort of came second so maybe that doesn't surprise me quite so much but um yeah, thematic investing sort of here to stay, and and as I say, we're probably only scratching the surface of the of, of the growth story there.
1: Yeah, I think in terms of that growth story, it's, it's right as well though, in the sense that I'm not sure that many retail investors maybe actually understand what it is. In that same sense, it's still very new to the market. Right, like you say, Ben, I um, think going back. So maybe 2017, 18, um, I'm not sure there would have been as many ETFs, you know, options as there are nowadays. And obviously with eToro, we have those smart portfolios, but there are so many different options um, available. Um, this comes back to the same point that we mentioned earlier in terms of the accessibility for retail investors. Um, and I think that sort of is, is that reason why we're starting to see that grow, because it is still, you know, a pretty new um theme if you like <laughs> in investing um, but look it's been a really intriguing start to sort of 2022 um, and we're sort of now really getting into earnings season we had obviously the big banks coming through already and I'm really looking f- forward to obviously see how things play out in that sect- sector um from a retail investor perspective Ben um, are there sort of key areas uh, that sort of retail investors are, are concerned about um, or that they feel maybe comfortable with?
2: Yeah, so I think, you know, when you ask investors what they're what they're worried about, uh, I think there are sort of two, two takeaways. I, I think one, I don't think they're any different to institutional investors or anybody else, right? I mean, we're all worried about inflation, right? If you look at that sort of top if you be following the presentation, the top right chart um, on, uh, on, page, uh, on on page on page nine, just just shows you that right inflation is by far the biggest concern. And it's the one that's it's the one that's been rising uh, the most um, that's probably not a massive concern, given you know what we're living uh, in the world right now. Um, you know after that, global economy, domestic economy becomes sort of the next concern. So I, I don't think that's a huge um, you know surprise. Uh, I think the other takeaway is what investors are doing about that. Um, so we're more worried about inflation, we're more worried about sort of global growth, global economies, what are we doing about it? Um, less than half of investors are actually adjusting their portfolios to reflect these changing risks. Uh, and I think that tells me, that they're basically comfortable with their asset allocations uh and they feel they're diversified enough and and they're in for the long haul and as and i sort of alluded to this at the beginning i think that's maybe not the narrative you sort of hear in um uh you know you hear from the press and i think that's very reassuring for sort of markets when we do get these sort of bouts of volatility we know that most investors are sort of uh are 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 here to stay so i think that's very reassuring
0: absolutely absolutely I, i absolutely love this um Retail investor survey. I think it's a fantastic addition to what we do here, uh, at Aditora. Um, okay, so we've covered the, the concerns. So it'd be really interesting to sort of get an insight uh into the different experiences of these retail investors. I mean, concerning that, has anything sort of stood out to you?
2: Yeah, so you know, we ask a bunch of questions just to sort of, you know, get into investors' heads a little bit and, and to sort of uh, look at the sort of anatomy of the retail investors, so or how they invest, what maybe what they do differently from other people. And, uh, you know, on page 10 I, out of the presentation, I mean, we, we, a lot of them are new, right? Um, nearly a quarter of these sort of global retail investors that we surveyed are, you know, weren't investing before, before the pandemic, right? So that's just, that's a hard number on just who's brand new to markets, right? it's a quarter of investors. I mean, that that's a lot. Um, and, um, but they're not just sitting in their bedroom day trading. I mean, I guess that's the other sort of takeaway, right? I mean, you you read the press and you may get a sense of that, but you look at the numbers here and you know, 6% are trading their portfolio every day. Right. Um, a much greater number are maybe trading monthly. And then there's, you know, basically a third of investors are very, very rarely trading, you know, once a year, maybe. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, again, I, I think that just tells you that, you know, most of them are here to stay. They've, they've done their research, they're comfortable with their allocations. Um, but you know, and it also tells you a lot of them are sort of very new to markets, right? So there's a lot of education going on. Um, you know, whether it's about assets, whether it's about diversification,
1: I guess that obviously comes down to those asset classes as well, that we spoke about earlier. Um, you know, if, if you're buying equities and you're buying crypto, you're going to be wanting to hold on to that for those longer periods of time. Um, and we obviously can right. see that in the in the survey. Um, but then I guess to move on to the, the next point, which is interesting, and, and this is on uh, page, page 11, and it sort of talks about where retail investors are gathering this information from. And there's obviously right now a lot of different ways to go about it. Um, and I think that's interesting because um, you know a, a lot of when me when I do the web webinars and probably when Sam does the, the same, um, we we get asked a lot about okay where do you go for your information, uh, where do you get sort of um, you know news from etc. So I think this is a, a really important one. Um, so have we found anything in terms of um, you know habits from retail investors where they're getting information from? you know, where they're getting their data from. I also would imagine it varies by range as well, probably.
2: Yeah, so, so I guess the takeaway is that, you know, people are doing a lot of research and they're doing it in lots of different places. Um, I guess that sort of answer the question. I mean, the number one source is sort of the media, so sort of newspapers. Number two is, you know, friends and family. Sort of three is sort of Google, third party review sites, social media, you know, online forums. So, you know, sort so it's a lot of places. Um, Which I guess is sort of reassuring, right? People are looking for information, people are educating themselves. Um, And and to your second point, it it does vary a lot by sort of age group, which is probably not a big surprise, right? The younger generation, sort of digital natives brought up on technology, using a lot more social media and sort of online forum than than older groups. Um, There's a chart there on the sort of bottom right of page 11, uh, which just shows you that that sort of younger cohort of people, sort of 18 to 34, 60% of them are using social media and online forums. Um, And that falls to sort of less than 10% if if you're over sort of 55. But I guess, you know, my broader point there would even be, you know, look at 45 to 54, right? You know, a fairly, fairly, you know, um, older cohort, a quarter of them are using social media and online forums. So I think everybody's using these new, um, uh, you know, ways to get information, they'll find they've been used more by the sort of younger generation. But, um, you know, I think everybody's finding, you know, the use of, uh, you know, the, the, the use for them. Um, And I think the other interesting thing is is why people are looking for this information. Um, You know, there's a chart that that on the bottom left of page 11. I mean, it's across the board, right? But uh, people are looking for new investment ideas. Uh, People are looking for sort of reassurance or maybe other ideas that they've had or they've generated elsewhere. Uh, There's a lot of education sort of going on. So, um, uh, you know, people really looking for sort of, you know, doing their research for different reasons as well.
0: Yeah, another, another round of applause for, for people there. And for those that are listening and, and don't use social media, I'd absolutely recommend doing so. Obviously, you've got to follow the right people and, and, and whatnot. Um, you could start by following Sam, Ben Ladler on Twitter. I was going
2: to say, is it, was, that, was that a plug for your, for your Twitter, Sam? No,
0: it's for yours. And do you know what? Actually, as of this morning, we're in uh, we're in Twitter royalty right now, Ben, because Josh is verified on Twitter. He's got a blue tick. Wow yeah no, yeah i feel wanted i don't to. know how,
1: i don't know how i've got that ahead of ben there's some serious questions that need to be asked
0: there, but <laughs> i'm gonna take it all right i'm gonna take it so. absolutely um okay well we, we sort of covered the the present there so let's shift on to onto the future um are we seeing people in in, in general start investing earlier it's, it's one of the most common things people will say you know if you could go back in time what would you do and everyone says well i wish i would have started earlier so we'll be seeing that uh, of the younger investor. Do the results show anything interesting?
2: Yeah, so I have a slider there on page 12, which is called the future is young, right? And that's really what the data tells you. Um, you know, we said before, 25 invest- 25% of investors are new to markets. Uh, if you look at sort of young investors, so, you know, less than 35, it's, it's nearly half, right? Started investing in the last two years. Uh, and that's fantastic. Um, you know, obviously the earlier you start yeah. investing, the better chance of generating some sort of real wealth as you just you know, as you compound these uh, you know the, the, these returns you know over time. Um, so that's great. I mean, the other thing you're seeing, uh, again, it's not surprising. Younger investors have much greater risk appetite, right? Yeah. Uh, which is not surprising. They're investing for much longer periods of time, so they can afford to you know take more risk. They can afford to sort of maybe take drawdowns because they're investing for you know 30, 40 years but you know you see them owning more crypto you see them owning more meme stocks you see them owning see a lot of tech so um you know it's basically as it should be um and um uh, there's you know there's a chart on the right hand side which just runs through all the thing you know, i just took a sample of all some of the ways i thought younger investors were different but you know you also see them you know they're planning to invest more again not surprising right because uh, um, you know, hopefully they're seeing their salaries rising and, 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 um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they tend to be more bullish. Uh, they tend to take environmental, social and governance issues more seriously. So there's a number of other, um, you know, sort of differences, uh, as well, but, but again, it sort of blows me away that, you know, nearly half of people under 34 have been investing for less than two years. Uh, you know, really, really dramatic
0: numbers. I just want to say, I'm, I'm very happy that I come in currently in the young category. <laughs> under 35 i'm buzzing with that
1: <laughs> you would have had no chance on x factor that was like oh, no i 25. know it was over 25 wasn't so, it yeah.
0: incredible
1: no chance i tell you what is really interesting about that um th- those characteristics by age there is the own domestic equities and level uh the 55 plus is is so much bigger than obviously the 18 to 34. so obviously it shows that i think again coming back to it but having much easier access to global markets than probably what the older generation have had has made it you know, people are going abroad to, to try and find those returns and then the next glaring one is then obviously the, the crypto assets between the younger generation, you know, I think what the so it's forty nine percent of eighteen thirty four own crypto assets and then the fifty five plus is under ten percent. That's that's pretty big in terms of numbers. Um so that's that's pretty interesting. Um but it's obviously great that we can see this increase in the younger generation investing because, as we said, everybody we talked to has always said, you know, invest as early as possible, get started. And obviously long may that continue. So when it comes to, to females as well, is the rise of the female investor perhaps underappreciated as well?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, the more young people investing is, you know, probably not a, a massive surprise. Right. I, I think. The, the fact that you have so many more women investing, I think is, 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 is a bit more underappreciated, right? Um, you know, many more women are new to investing than men new to investing. Uh, and I guess what's really interesting is they, they invest differently. Uh, and we have a chart there on the right-hand side, which sort of gives you a sense of that. But, you know, they tend to be a bit more risk averse. Uh, they tend to trade less frequently. They tend to sort of invest for the sort of longer term. Uh, they, tend to, they tend to do more research. Uh, about investing um interestingly you know when you put all this together when you put all those characteristics together uh, and, I, and i'll say this quietly for all our male listeners but it actually makes women better investors
0: than men i was literally about to say that
2: <laughs> um you know there's plenty of studies out there that show that right i mean those the combination of those characteristics tends to give women better returns you know over time uh you know over time than the than, than men um but uh, again, it's, you know, it's probably an underappreciated change, right, that we have seen this big pickup in female investors, I guess, similar to everyone else, right, taking control of their financial futures, um, you know, over, over the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, my old role, you know, people would, would, would come to us and, and we would teach them how to trade and really focus on, you know, risk management, across multi-assets, and on average, women actually did perform Quite a bit better, uh, and because of those characteristics you, you've mentioned there. So, well, we've, we've, we've covered the young, we've covered uh, you know the the, the, the women in, in sort of those two trends that we're seeing there, the rise of the female investor. When it comes to to crypto investors, are we seeing any any trends there at all?
2: Yeah, so I think that's sort of a third trend, right? Is the rise <coughs> of the crypto investor? As, as we said earlier, before you've got this dramatic level of sort of ownership of crypto it's now basically the third best owned asset class, you know, out there. So we asked a bunch of questions in this survey because we thought it was important to sort of understand, uh, you know, these investors because they're just becoming, you know, more and more important. Um, you know, there's a chart there on the bottom right of, of, uh, of side 14, which just you know asks people, you know, why do you invest in crypto? Uh, and I guess what's interesting is just the breadth of reasons. Uh, you know, a lot of people are in there just to make a, you know, a quick buck, hopefully very quickly. but you know, there's a lot of sort of true believers that think that, you know, Bitcoin and crypto is a sort of transformative technology and asset class. Mm. There's a lot of people that think it's a store of value. Uh, there's a lot of people that think it's it's an inflation hedge, and and it's pretty equally split between, you know, all four of those. So, you know, I take that as, as being sort of very bullish, right? I mean, you want people owning the asset class for lots of different reasons rather than just one, which, you know, may fall out of favor. Um, I think the, the other interesting one is, you know, that sort of chart, top right chart, which basically tells you you know another chart that tells you people are doing their research, right? I mean, they're reading the white papers, they're understanding and exploring the use cases, they're joining the sort of crypto communities to discuss this. Um, you know, those are sort of the main um, things that people are doing before they invest in asset in, in crypto. Um, you know, there's 17% that are basically just closing their eyes and just throwing darts on the dartboard, right, and buying the hype and doing their research. But Uh, that's probably the same in every asset class if we ask that question. But uh, you know, the the takeaway is, you know, most people doing their research, um, which is reassuring. Uh, And then I guess, not not to drone on. But I think the other thing I think important is why people don't own crypto. And we ask people that Um, there's a big knowledge gap. Uh, There's obviously concerns on volatility. Uh, There's concerns that there's not enough regulation. So, you know, if we do get more regulation, we're obviously walking down that path right now. Um, maybe that, you know, draws more people uh into um you know in, in, in into crypto when we get some sort of more investor guardrails. So, you know, a lot of reasons why people don't own crypto, but I think um those probably begin to fall by the wayside, right? As people get more knowledgeable, maybe as volatility declines as the institution as the asset class institutionalizes a little bit, maybe as we get a bit more regulation. Um just you know, just sort of a deep dive: why, why people own crypto, why they don't own crypto, um, given that it's you know become such an important asset class.
1: Yeah, definitely interesting to see, especially when it makes up a lot of investors' portfolios, as we sort of found out earlier. Um, and uh, maybe that number grows, right? With, as you say, Ben, with the regulation, and then with the with the knowledge as that sort of you know moves forward over time as well. Maybe the next survey, we do that next year, maybe it goes from 26 to 30, 35 and, and so on. Um, but I think that overall that survey was, you know, it gives a really good insight, um, you know, and it normalises investing, I think, as well. But I think what's, what's, what would be good is if you could sort of give us a, a nice summary of the survey um, and why you think the surveys are important to do.
2: So a couple of things. I think it tells you just how important retail investors have become. Uh, And therefore, you know, understanding them a bit better is just more and more important. Uh, And this is one of the only surveys out there that I think does that. Um, Secondly, you know, we're seeing more and more younger and female investors that are going to be investing for for sort of decades. Uh, And I think it's important to understand, you know, that they do invest differently uh, and they do um, put more weight on certain things. Um, So I think that sort of helps you as an investor. Um, i think it tells you they're here to stay and they have you know diamond hands and they're likely to hold firm through sort of market volatility um, that they've done their research they are diversified uh, and and the other big takeaway for me was on sort of crypto and 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 sort of thematic right um both becoming increasingly well owned by retail investors um, on the crypto side you know that's why the institutional adoption story is so important right um, if crypto is pretty well owned by retail then you know, what's the next big asset class that's going to own crypto, it's going to be the institutional investors. Uh, and, you know, similarly for thematic, I think just those thematic investment trends and the interest in them just has, you know,
0: dramatically long, you know, long way to go. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, look, um, guys, that uh, you hopefully you're, you're still all listening, because that was uh, incredibly insightful. And so, um, yeah, you can head over to the Academy to, to find out more whether that be podcast guides, videos, webinars, Uh, But also remember, as Josh mentioned in the bio, you can find a link to this survey uh, and hopefully you have all followed along page by page. Some really, really interesting graphics there and charts that I would recommend taking time just to to take in. Josh and Ben, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thanks for having us.
1: Yeah, thank you, Sam, as usual. Um, And for those investors that aren't too sure on crypto, follow what Sam said, head over to the trading academy to learn a little bit more about crypto we've got lots of great guides over there uh, which can give you a little bit more education if you're not sure and you want to get started
0: absolutely absolutely take care guys have a great rest of your week and we'll catch you all next week you've been listening to digest and invest from etoro for more information visit etoro.com